What up, what up, what up, everybody? This is Dario Hunt from Living Life Fearless. Welcome back to another episode of our Music Files podcast. Joining me today, I believe for the third time, is Jaron Lamar Davis. Say what up to everybody. Yo, y'all are becoming family. Looking forward to uh, this episode and what we have in, in store. Hope everybody's doing doing uh, what they're supposed to out there. Yeah, so, uh, you know, like I said, I, think, I believe this is the third time you've joined us. And, uh, yes. Yeah, I believe three, yep. so you guys yes. should definitely check out the previous two episodes that he was on. Yep. And uh, today we're going to talk about, you know, some music news, stuff that made the headlines, and I believe Jaron has some news of his own that he'll probably want to share. And, you know, we're just going to chop it up and got a few good topics for you guys. But before, like always, we are going to do little housekeeping and if you like any gear that we rock in these videos like this hat i'm wearing right now or the shirts brand new cultured af shirt that goes along great with our coffee table book you can head on over to the site and grab some for yourself and if you have any questions comments topic suggestions about anything that we cover in this or you want to correct us on anything you can let us know in the comments down below where you guys listen to us or watch us or you can email us directly at podcast at livinglifefearless.co but now that is out of the way, we're going to hop into our first news item. Uh, Picked on specifically because you are joining us and you're kind of in the jazz field. Miles Davis, you know, he had kind of a lost album called Rubber Band. And it is set for release this year. Man, that's, uh, that's interesting. I, I'm wondering if I, you know, they say quote unquote unreleased. I'm wondering if there's any other songs that I'm familiar with that I've already already listened to. So the full story is that in 1985 Davis began recording an album supposed to be titled Rubber Band um, but he never actually finished it and it never got released in its entirety but now it is being completed by the original producers Randy Hall and Zane Giles alongside Davis's nephew Vince Wilburn Jr. who performed on the original like album sessions it's supposed to come out September 6th but I believe they also did a EP, I think last year, which had some of those uh, finished and recorded songs. Yeah, this is, I mean, I'm seeing now too, like even the album, the album art is uh, dope. And it looks like they got some, even if they're unfinished, they've added some new popular artists that are actually some favorites of mine from the soul side of things like Lettucey and Layla Hathaway. Mm-hmm. So so I'm interested in, to see what direction um, musically it's going to go in because Miles was somebody that transcended, you know, the genre of, of jazz per se. He hated to be called a jazz musician, similar to kind of how I I look at it the same way. So it, it, I wonder if it's going to take on some of the sounds of today, how much they're going to keep of that compared to how traditional is it going to sound. So that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, you kind of, you guys can kind of get a glimpse at what it is with this single release called Rubber Band of Life, which is out now on YouTube. But he's a legend, so whenever you can get, you know, more music from somebody as iconic and important as him, it's always a good thing. And the fact that it is, isn't being put out just by the label, but by the actual people that helped him on the actual project gives you, you know, a little more hope that it's 
closer to the vision that he would have had for it, you know, in the first place. No, oh, I agree. Looking forward to that. I honestly haven't heard that single yet, so I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out tonight. Definitely. So September sixth, few months here, it'll be dropping on everybody. Next up, Willie Nelson has announced that he will be headlining his own little limited Las Vegas residency starting in October of 2019. He's still at it, and residencies have basically become the thing for most older artists mm-hmm. in Vegas these days. Yep. I mean, mainly because they offer them. Uh, you don't have to travel. Yeah, you don't have to travel. You can do the. You can basically all your do old the, songs. Same show, consistency, like you can perfect the show. And then, of course, Vegas throws them a fuckload of money to do it. So, Yeah, so that's interesting because I I wonder, has he has he put out anything new? I mean, he's he's, a, he he's pushing 90. He, yeah, he, he's definitely up there. He's been around for a long time, but he's still yeah. able to perform, which is impressive. Um, yeah. He does have a new album coming out called Ride Me Back Home. Debuting on June twenty first, and he has sounds a like tour, a farewell. And he has a tour on Friday, starting uh, on Friday of that that same week, June fourteenth, uh, the week before. So, hmm. yeah, I mean, I I might be keeping keeping my eye open on that since, it, based on the name of the album title, it sounds like um, I don't know if it's a farewell of sort or what. But usually, when you're almost ninety, you know. Ride me back home. Huh? It's like my entire life, I've only known him as old. So, yeah, that's <laughs> like true. to see pictures of him when he's younger. It's kind of crazy. He's like got the short hair. He's all cleaned up, and then now he's like, you know, hippie, hippie long hair, smoking a big fat joint all the time. You know, stuff like that. So it's like exactly. He does what he wants to do. You got to I mean, respect shit, that. At that age, you you got to do what the fuck you want to do. You know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So this, yeah, but he. I mean, he definitely, it seemed like at first, like you said, when he was a young man, he was he was trying to keep a look that I guess, you know, everybody back then, you had to be uniform. Trying to play so, the game, you know. Right. Right. You had that uniform look. So somewhere in there, he kind of, similar to Miles Davis, you just start bucking the system. You're like, I'm going to do what I want to do. And as an artist, I appreciate that side of things. So that's the type of artistry I want to see, regardless if I like the genre of music or not. So, I mean, I guess what you call like outlaw countries, what he does. So, yeah, a little more grit to it. He was definitely one of the pioneers in that in that area. And, you know, he never looked back ever since then. And he's still at it. And he's still, you know, people are still willing to pay him a lot of money to perform. So it's good for him. Yeah. And he's taking it. So dope, dope, dope. So I love. One thing I love about, you know, all of these adaptations of, like, old properties and old nostalgic, uh, you know, IP is that you get is that now because there's been so much adaptation of, like, all of the most of the well-known stuff. We're starting to get into, like, the weeds here and get to, like, some really weird and obscure properties being, like, remade or reimagined. And I just saw this news item about... A 60s show called The Banana Splits. I have personally never heard of it. I've actually heard covers of like their opening theme, but I've never actually heard of the, you know, the show itself because I was way before my time. 
But the premise of the show was that it was like a kid's show and it was about like an all animal rock band going on like wacky adventures. But it was like all live action. So it was just people in these super terrible uh, animal suits like running around and performing like kind of music and whatnot. And it's kind of like one of those... um, Sounds like Yo Gabba Gabba or something like that. Something like that. Of the 60s. Something like that in the 60s. And it was like one, you know, those like machines that like, I don't know, like Chuck E. Cheese where they got those little machines with the animals playing. Yeah, that's exactly what it it looks like. Basically, exactly like that. This is, this is weird. I wonder, so did they do a remake at some point? Because it looks like, like it's weird to see that this was in the 60s because it's all in color. Right. I mean, you're still getting, you're in color. Well, I guess late 60s. Yeah, you're getting color then. Not good, but it but... it it looks kind of modern for for like a '60s look. I mean, even the type of sunglasses that the like this orange teddy bear he's wearing, it's pretty interesting. This is oh, weird. And the reason why you said it looked like one of those is because it was produced by Hannah Barbera. Like, oh, okay. it's like one of their early early properties before they started getting into the whole cartoon network era. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it, it looks like it's getting decent ratings, like as far as you know, IMDb and TV.com. I mean, Come on, that's nobody really <laughs> such a remembers. Like, I've never whoever heard of remembers this. that is kind of like you know. Yeah, but is... what's the interesting part is that sci-fi is rebooting it, reimagining it, but they're doing it as a horror movie. Uh, as a horror movie, huh? As a horror, where they turn into like these murderous <laughs> uh, creatures and start killing everybody in the studio because they're trying to cancel the show. Yeah, they just. I mean, they're they're running out of ideas in Hollywood, man. It's as goofy <laughs> as it sounds, but you just got to see the trailer for it because it is. Yeah, I got to check it out. I'm I'm kind of intrigued. Is it? Does it look like it's going to be dope or what? Oh no, it looks like a terrible sci-fi movie, but it looks like one. Oh that yeah, it looks as expected. people will end up watching just because it's on TV and why not? You know what I'm saying? Like like how they did the Sharknado type movies and right, they're terrible, but there was still somehow an audience for it and. Yeah, our society we love terrible nowadays. So. Some, sometimes there's bad and then there's good bad. You know what I'm saying? Like right, right. A movie can be terrible but good at the same time because it's so bad. And this looks like it could be one of those. It's just, it's just like out of the blue, like the banana splits. Who would have picked that fucking property to be? I've never heard of it. To get a remake and like nobody alive that can like follow sci-fi even knows. Yeah, <laughs> what, what it is. About. Yeah, yeah. So it's just people running out of creativity, and you know the thing I've learned the older we get is the, the nostalgia. That's like the that's the main calling card nowadays of taking something that people, even if they've forgotten about it, and dust knocking the dust off, and then bringing it back out again, and it makes people. I mean, it's remember. easier to attract. It's easier to do some sort of name recognition, but. I feel like there's almost no name recognition with people. It's just yeah, I've heard funny of this that one. This is the property that they chose to remake, and not only remake it, but remake it as a horror uh, movie. So it's just you guys That's have to check out the It's funny. Definitely. <clears throat> and you got some crazy, some crazy topics going on just in the. I mean, we do you know, in the entertainment. We find we like to find the obscure. More yeah. obscure news items that aren't being covered to death, and that one definitely jumped out at me. Yeah, that's that's super interesting. I mean, that the Willie Nelson doing a residency, then you got you got Miles 
which that's not really being talk, talked about, you know, like like it should be, because I, I wasn't aware of it. So, I mean, like I said, who wants to, you know, rehash something that's been rehashed a thousand times already on every stream, every, you know, mainstream exactly. outlet, and that's just boring, and that's not what we do. So, just like on the podcast and just like in our new news kind of segment of the website, we cover more obscure type of, you know, news that you probably haven't, you know, heard of. Yeah, I enjoyed that. I think, or, and it it brings a better organic following too. So definitely, definitely on the right track. So there is a UK band called Uncle. I am not really familiar with them, but I guess they've been around for a little while, um, for a long time actually. But now, in collaboration with. Um, this sound designer slash creative director called Steve Dobby and Colin Nightingale. They have created a sort of interactive exhibition, I'd say. Like, it's a little hard to explain where it's not exactly an art exhibition, but they have art stuff. Like, they have a typical art immersive experience that you would expect from like an art exhibition but it's all centered around their album and their music um, called The Road Part 1 The Road Part 2 slash Lost Highway they're two albums and in each room like you experience a song both odd like audio wise but then also like tactically with smells and touches and ways to immerse with the actual song while you're in, you know, this exhibition of it. Like, it's it's trying, basically trying to make it a living, breathing, you know, work of art that you can interact with and and feel that all all your senses, not just, you know, uh, hearing. That's dope. I mean, a lot lot of us, well, not a lot of us, but music enthusiasts and, and musicians, a lot of saying a lot of us me personally i i hear and feel music at a level that's already deep like that and i'm sure one of those guys probably is the same way so now what their goal is is to find a way to try to allow everybody to get that same experience because some of us right. do hear and feel music just at different levels but th- this way this could take somebody who is not like they like music, but they're not a real music enthusiast and put them in a position to really experience what me or you may just get in a daily car ride, you know? Right. So like I wonder if trying to, to take basically off. force people to like really experience this in a deeper mm-hmm. level than just cursory listening. Right. This could be good. This could be something that could catch on and, uh, and transcend different countries and parts of the globe right so what i guess what interests me so much about it is the potential it has because i could see this doing extremely well because there are a lot of immersive interactive like exhibitions i wouldn't even necessarily call them art exhibitions but exhibitions that involve art in some type of way that are definitely geared more towards like the instagram experience you know great for pictures great for you know capturing the moment great for that type of interactivity Mm-hmm. And they've seemed to have, like really caught on because a lot of those type of experiences are popping up 
like real world experiences that are probably bring up for people. And I see if that if this one does ex- like really well for a more kind of obscure band, I would say, an obscure project and music that I think the majority of people wouldn't like the mainstream wouldn't necessarily know about that if this is successful then just I can just picture more mainstream artists and like bigger projects, bigger albums kind of trying to copy it and follow that same road. Like imagine like a Jimi Hendrix type of experience, like the real experience, like in an interactive type of way like that. Right. Right. And that, man, that would be so, that would be so groundbreaking, especially for somebody similar to, I guess, even myself with my, with my first record, I, I created that album specifically based on, on mood, making people feel a certain way and trying to find a way to do that through music. So some of my music has a trippy kind of like LSD effect to it, even though I don't use any of those drugs. But my thing is, how can I get people to feel that way? So if I can find the right, I guess, uh, props and the right effects to bring that to life, I would definitely try to implement some of that. Because we have um, in in, uh, Baltimore, which I mean, I don't live in Baltimore, but Baltimore has a museum, uh, Baltimore Museum of Arts, where they do that once a month. They have this, uh, it's called like Art After Dark. They open up the museum and then in each different room, they have different things going on. So they're kind of hinting towards, like you said, more of the Instagram moments, like they'll have a live performance, maybe DJ or something in one hall. Then another hall I have uh, spoken word. So there's some of that, but there's not any of this, like what's going on in the UK. But I think it could get there. I think people I think people in the industry are probably watching it pretty closely to see if it kind of catches on and see how well it does. Because, again, if there's any way you can kind of especially since attention is so hard to get, there's any way you can kind of, you know, amplify that and put it out in a unique way, especially before it becomes over commercialized, which if it's successful, of course it will become. Um, But if you can kind of get in and somehow represent your art in a way that's on a whole nother level, that's, you know, you have the audio part, but then you can add, you know, visual stimulants and like, they even have like smells going on in certain rooms and, you know, trying to set the mood, trying to set, you know, trying to give off the closest experience to what that artist did while they were actually, you know, making the project, you know? So I could definitely see that kind of catching on. And so myself, I have actually recently gotten into like vinyl recently. That is something I'd never thought I would kind of jump into. It's the age, bro. But it is definitely, (laughs) it's fully resurgent. Like vinyl is a thing now. It's the best. Hipsters have definitely made it a thing, and that's I'll say that's like the best thing they've probably ever actually kind of brought about. Yeah, and I say that because it's it's if you love music, the actual experience of like the best part of it for me is like the actual experience of going into like an old school uh, indie type of like record store, and just digging through like thousands of vinyl records and, and finding like and coming up on like these gems of like you know cultural history basically and then the physical act of like playing it and stuff like it's just that whole experience kind of brings you closer to the music and you actually hear the albums 
how they wanted you to specifically, you know, hear it instead of it being just like a, a random playlist. Like there's everything, the arrangement, everything to the album cover, like it all matters more when you have like that in your hands and stuff. So right. that's, that's why I kind of got caught myself have gotten into it as pretentious as, as it can seem, but like, it definitely feels like it's something that's missing when you're just listening on like Spotify and stuff like that. Like, exactly. yeah, that's fine. That's cool that it shouldn't go away, but there's just that other experience with music that you just can't duplicate. Right. Without no, the you, actual physical. You, exactly. You know what I'm saying? And that I feel like some of us, like I know your uh, your dad loves music. My dad, I grew up in record shops um, all over the Midwest. Oh, I have like a, I still have my like two hundred slot CD case. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and that was Somewhere. yeah. Even even with the CDs, that was the same. It was the same effect because you a similar like you could go in with intent to get a certain album, and you find other albums or obscure music based on the album cover. And then it's the anticipation of riding home, knowing you can't wait to get home to pop it in, you know. And then because of all of that intent, by the time you get there to pop it in, it's not background music. You're going to actually sit there. Like I, I used to spend hours sitting in front of my bed with the CD on, just doing absolutely nothing, just listening to, you know, Nas or, I mean, at that point, when we were growing up, it was essentially listening to anything, man, in Linkin Park fabulous ludicrous like just a little bit of everything but i i studied each album like if it was playing that's that's what i was doing at the time yeah. and i think we've gotten away from that because we created the on the it's go so easy yeah yeah it's too accessible album art doesn't matter to people anymore like nope. i still enjoy track the concept matter no yeah none of it matters because all they care about is the playlist like oh if you can get on this playlist you know you might get heard by so-and-so or you know which is fine like there's yeah. nothing inherently wrong with that is just if you're a true music lover there's just something about actually experiencing the music you know what i'm saying like i remember i was a little sneaking into my brother's room when he would leave before me to go to school and throwing the head plugging the headphones in the system and you know listen to his cds and stuff like that and just sitting there and like right. listening like really right. just listening mm-hmm. and you know that kind of scratching yeah that vinyl experience <laughs> like kind of forces you to like really just sit and really listen to what they and you can really hear everything that they put into it. And it just, it just gives you a whole different feel. perspective on exactly. the music and feel. Like, it's just like, it just means, it just feels like it means so much more. You know what I'm saying? And I agree. That's what I did, man. I just went, I was, I, that's like one of my favorite things to do now. Just go, you know, weekends or like Friday or something, go, go to the local shop and see what they got in. Cause they Y'all got some good ones like out every there. Week. Oh man. I was in there for like a good two hours. He just has like over like, Probably over like two, three thousand on a given day. Oh wow! Just vinyls thrown throughout the, throughout the you know the shop, and he's got them kind of categorized, but not so much where it's like you can specifically just go to like this one section and find exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not like right. Spotify. You just searching and pops yeah. up. Like no, you got to kind of yeah. dig through it and then find some stuff and find some gems. You know, and it's that's easy to spend some hours in there. Oh, I spent hours. You know, he's and he he was a big you know kind of a hippie hippier type guy and like he, uh-huh. he grew up he grew up in that era so like he was mm-hmm. telling me about all the experience all the concerts all the music and you know talking to me good two hours and you know a little that's couple the, joints probably rolled and just talk about yeah. music and that's like the best yeah. <laughs> that's like the best thing man man i miss i miss that. that my senior year of high school that i actually bought my first uh jazz 
jazz records, I went in. We had a place. Uh, I'm from Springfield, Illinois, but we had a shop downtown called uh, Recycle Records, and super smoky. Those old school hardwood floors. You walk in there, and it's this dude that looked like a rocker, just had straight tattoos all over the place. But which was crazy at the time. Then I mean, everybody's tatted up now, but at the time. He looked like he didn't have a clue about music, but I was just like, hey, man, I'm in here. You know, I play drums. I'm looking to get some, you know, some jazz. Because at that point, I didn't know about anything jazz. I mean, I knew about Miles Davis, but I had to listen. And he he, uh, he gave me multiple albums. He gave me songs, Songs of the Death, Queen of the Stone Age album with, with uh, Dave Grohl playing drums. And uh, he's like, you got to get this. And then he gave me this um he gave me this um, Stanley Clark, which was a jazz jazz artist, composer, he, which he still is. And then he gave me um, Tony Williams and Jocko Pistorius. He gave me this live trio jazz album. But it was just crazy because it's like all of those were all over different genres, spectrums. But he still had listened to enough music and he knew I was a drummer that was trying to find new stuff. He's like, take this album, take this album, take this album. And, uh, yeah. and I went. You know, and it was, it's just crazy how people of like any walk of life, no matter what they look like, when you go to a record shop, they're usually more diverse than anybody in just their taste of music and uh, and culture, different cultures. He knew hip hop. He knew, you know, he knew yeah. rock. He knew, he knew soul. He knew everything, bro. Like, I love and, that. And it's just kind of that, that whole record store experience is something that I think is missing deeply with people. I think that's why vinyl is becoming so big again because mm-hmm. there's no other place you can just sit and talk with somebody about music for fucking hours and like and right. just discover new shit that you've never heard of and like it's not some algorithm recommending it to you. It's somebody who actually knows the music and like experienced the music and knows and like yeah, I just told him like yo, he's like I really like punk rock, but like I don't know all the older bands. I just know the big ones. You know, you throw me some ideas and like yeah. Check this out, check this out, check this right. out. You know what I'm saying? It's right. Like, it's like, and you can pop it just, in the little player. They yeah. got the sampler, like the little record player there where you can Oh, you got the record on. player right there. He's like, yeah, yo, man, you I'll can't throw it on right now. You, you know what I'm saying? You, you can hear what man. you think. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's just like, man, it's just. That's an awesome experience. And the history of it. Like, out of all the art forms, like, as much as I love film and TV and like games and stuff like that, for me, music is, is the pinnacle, man, because it's it crosses generations it crosses you know uh culture boundaries like crosses everything and it's just like and it's so timeless and it is and that's like the best thing about it that's i like i was one of the first ones like oh vinyl's coming back like oh so now people are just doing anything to be counter to to what's going on you know what i'm saying but once i actually like experienced it and got into it like i understand it now yeah and 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 from a from an audio standpoint the music just sounds like the way it's recorded. It's oh, it sounds it's like it. it's like butter, man. It definitely sounds like a uh, like you're sitting there, live, like you're in the like studio, live, exactly. It's like a live. It's it's about as live of recording as you can possibly get for sure. And exactly. Not, I won't say every right genre now. for me. Like I just certain stuff doesn't necessarily translate. Like especially more of the modern stuff. Uh-huh. It's all recorded digitally, anyways. But right, it's all program. The older, older bands, older you know artists for sure. Like that's if you want to, if you want to feel like as close to live recording as you possibly can, vinyl is definitely the way to go. 
like listening yes, to the young vinyls. Just... Oh man, oh, no, the Jimmy stuff is incredible. That takes you to another planet, man. You sit there, close your eyes. You could be completely sober, no no alcohol or anything, and just sit there. And his music could take you on a journey, man. It's, it was definitely an experiment. It's different, know? man. And as Blasphemous says, you know, some audio files might find it. Like I listen to them on surround, and it just the way it like separates the sounds and stuff when it comes in all different angles like it's it's definitely oh, oh it's, it's incredible man different listening experience man yeah that's that makes me want to do my next um i have a friend of mine he recommended that for the first one he's like man you can cut it on vinyl and all this i was like you're right because it's expensive to do but it, it might is. be worth having a couple copies and you know it is um but I, I mean we also did a news item i think probably a few shows a couple shows ago now that Bandcamp is actually getting into the vinyl pressing. I don't know if you saw exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah, because my stuff's on Bandcamp. Yeah, that they're offering artists, you know, the ability to kind of press their own vinyl at a che- at a much cheaper and easier, you know, process where nothing's up front. It kind of gets pressed when it's ordered. Uh huh. And they kind of ship it out and put it all together for you. Oh man, that's dope, man. I don't, and I don't know if you saw. You may have talked about this already because you're ahead of everything, but. Bandcamp is also opening up that live performing performing yep. spot in Oakland. That's dope, man. I don't I know. If, I don't know if we talked about it, but I definitely know about it. Yeah, that that's that's awesome. Where people can go in, you can see all of the different artists that are on Bandcamp and listen to all of their music in a live listening environment. That's worth taking a trip to Oakland to you know to check out. So I I actually just got an email from Bandcamp about that last week. And uh, I was immediately intrigued. I'm like, this is something that can grow. They should put it in different locations. They should do one out here in D.C. They should, you know, L.A. It's a, it's a good uh, potential idea. Right. So, I mean, I think they're okay. doing the right things. They see where kind of music and how people are kind of yearning for that uh-huh. physical, more physical type of listening experience that they kind of trying to tap into that. And that's just something that Spotify will never be able to. No, they won't be the deal. You know, and Spotify's. I, I mean, I use Spotify honestly as bad as it is from a royalty standpoint. And all of that, I use Spotify streaming more than any other streaming site for my music, mainly because they do such a good job organizing my, uh, my brain. Because I listen to so many different. They make it easy. Things. Yeah, they make it really easy. They like easy. like it's, this. Listen to this. The addictive format, you know, they make it really easy. They do. And they even offer a high resolution audio, which, you know, not a lot of streaming services. I mean, I'm not I got no real issues against Spotify, obviously, but uh-huh. the cut that they give artists is is, uh-huh. is shit. But right. as a platform for listening, oh, it's great. not yeah, it, it's I have no complaints. It's just it doesn't it just can't duplicate the more physical listening experience you get from like live or like vinyl and stuff like that. So, I, I you know you can do both, but I just think yeah. there's room. There's definitely room for both now. Before there wasn't, and it just felt like they were just going to eat up everything. But now there's a clear, you know, there's clear mm-hmm. distinctions between, you know, that. So, right. one thing that it, that for sure will never come back though is CDs and cassettes. <laughs> no, no, no. That that was a hassle, man. You know, yeah, that, you keep the CDs, man. Yeah, they can have that, but man, you said. I mean, you say a lot of nuggets. The one main takeaway from all of this is the live experience of the whole process from beginning of getting the record to the end and that that is the unspoken thing that I feel like all artists chase but nobody has figured out that that's actually 
what they're trying to chase. It's the whole experiment. It's even when they go back and sample these songs that were done in the 90s or they, they're trying to recapture the moments that they remembered falling in love with music, but nobody has really realized oh. what it is. The I mean, thing people is, are, you know, they're going the back thing to the is, live vinyl like forces you to listen to damn near every track because you don't want to just get up and be up there skipping tracks, you know, left or right. So it almost forces you to listen through everything that they wanted to put out there. Mm-hmm. And even if you don't necessarily love that part, you hear parts that you would not have heard if you were listening digitally because you just skipped, you know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. you just hear different elements that you just wouldn't have heard before. And it, it, it almost forces you like to, to really experience it from front to back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, that's dope, man. Great topic. But yeah, um, move on. Um, Speaking of kind of continuing in that lane where music preservation and music history and the whole physical, you know, beauty of it all. There was recent reports, I believe, in the New York Times uh, that this month, a couple of days ago, speaking about a 2008 fire that swept through Universal Studios Hollywood's back lot. And previously unreported is that there were probably hundreds well most likely hundreds of thousands of lost like master recordings genre of like music from all genres from all periods that were lost in that fire yeah i saw i saw a glimpse of it oh, i didn't read the article yet because i so just, let me give you yeah, give a me little a little quick list of just some of the artists who lost original recordings of, you know, work by them because as people that know or may not know, Universal is music group is the biggest uh, music label in the world. It owns like 50% of the music share right now. It's something crazy. They own so much music and they had it all, a lot of it in this, you know, kind of back lot. And when that fire happened, ended up burning original recordings by artists like Louis Armstrong, Duke Ellington, Bing Crosby, Ella Fitzgerald, Judy Garland. Billy Holiday, R.E.M., Janet Jackson, Eric B. and Rock Kim, New Edition, Bobby Brown, Guns N' Roses, Queen Latifah, Mary J. Blige, Sonic Youth, No Doubt, Nine Inch Nails, Snoop Dogg, Nirvana, Soundgarden, Hole, Beck, Sheryl Crow, Tupac, Eminem, 50 Cent, The Roots, and many, many more. I mean, that's that's a musical tragedy. The probably they they're saying the greatest loss in music history, probably. Yeah, I mean, there was one that there was a fire at um. I think back in the seventies, John Col- John Coltrane had his famous um, Love Supreme album that he recorded in '64, and he only did one live concert of that music. And uh, the tapes got burned in a big studio fire. I think in the seventies, so now it's only a portion of that performance around. But this is definitely sounds like the biggest one, and it makes me wonder, like, how does this happen? Right, because you. You know, Universal never actually, you know, talked about it or reported on what happened. I think they're trying to kind of brush it under the rug like it didn't happen kind of thing because that's not a good look. That's not a good um, look at all. That's devastating. But they didn't just lose original music. They lost like flat masters. They lost session tapes. They lost unreleased material outtakes, you know, just all yeah. demos, just all types of just music history gold. You know what I'm saying? Like. Sounds like the master recordings upset. of yeah, it's like burning an original painting of you know like Picasso basically. Like yeah, you might have duplicates and copies, but it's not the original recording. It's, it's not, not the that same. same original quality. It just can't. No. And 
Yeah, and that's the moment of thousands of pieces of music material lost. All genres too. You said Cheryl Crow, Duke Ellington, Tupac, Eric B, and Rakim. I mean, these are people like legends. Legends. Yeah, that's that's tragic. I what I think. What I would say is like even more important than than the legends is like the more obscure, unheard of, unknown type of artists who probably don't have that many recordings of their stuff out there. That right. if you lose something like that, it's kind of like you know losing something that's basically you know endangered you know what i'm saying like, yeah and that's and that's tough i mean even for young i mean and everybody a lot of people 50 percent. you said uh under universal that that would be similar to say an up-and-coming artist today that's under universal and they're still in the recording process on the verge of success and they had this live studio recording that you can't recapture that so even though you're still alive you're still an up-and-comer the fact that you've already recorded that moment, you can't duplicate that. Right. That's what makes the studio great is out of 25 takes, we did this one particular take where everything yeah. was just clicking on all cylinders and now you can't get that back. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, and that's why I said, like, how does that happen? I mean, usually when things like this happen, it seems like somebody that was on staff got mad or who knows what? I mean, it may come out 20, 30 years from now, but the fact that the fire was that detrimental that like you had all that music in only one location. This, you know. Right. And I mean, Universal gave a bullshit kind of generic response, you know, to the article, you know, saying that uh, while, you know, they there was an incident and there was some loss, which was deeply unfortunate. They never acknowledged how much loss they did say like never affected the availability of commercially released music, you know what I'm saying? Or impacted artists conversation, which is not what the conversation was ever about, you know? Right. Yeah. This is uh this, this starts up a, a new conversation going forward too, as I'm, I'm sure I know you talk about, but uh, the fact of the big labels are already in trouble. I think we kind of were talking about that, uh, the yeah, last time I was I've, on the I've, always, I've been the saying Spotify big labels that. are always going to be in trouble. Yeah, so and this this doesn't help help their case. Um, no, you if know. I'm an artist, I would be hesitant. You know? Yeah, yeah, that's that's interesting, man. I mean, without I guess it doesn't matter at this point because it didn't happen. But I usually don't like coming on here and talking about anything that's going on with my musical endeavors, but. About a year ago, I was talking with a guy who has a uh, a pretty good, um, well, he's a pretty big independent distributor for uh, a few mainstream artists out in the L.A. area. And my music was linked to a lot of the people on the labels under this distributor on Bandcamp. Uh, so when I, when I noticed that somebody had did that to my music, I reached out because I'm just like, you know, I'm on the East Coast, but at the same time, my music is being linked to some pretty, you know, prominent artists out on the West Coast. And, uh, and you know, I sent my music over and he's like, this is a great product, product, you know, uh, and asked me if I had any new music coming out. So at that time, I told him, I'm like, I'm recording. He said, ship it, you know, send it to me when it's all finished. We would definitely love to release it on uh, on the on the label. So I'm like, okay, that's cool, um, because I'll still keep my creative control because it's not going under a record label, but I would be 
essentially under the same distribution net as all of these artists because it's multiple labels on there. But the interesting thing was I found out a few weeks after talking to him that he had been in the process of signing with Universal, you know, so and that had been going on for about the past two years, because apparently it's just a long, drawn out process. But at that point, I was kind of like freaking out for multiple reasons. But one of the reasons was, oh, man, like I could end up having a potential opportunity to out of nowhere be under a universal branch. Um, but then the the other part that I was thinking about was, well, at this point, would I want to go under a label like that, knowing that my music is getting somewhere? Do I do I want to give up that, knowing that I might control? Yeah. Yeah. So it was a tough one. Yeah. So needless to say, though, that was that was back in November, I think, when I was having conversations with them. And the reason I'm bringing it up now is because I'm pretty sure it's not not going to happen, only because I. I haven't gotten any response to any of this and other artists that work with him because he's a pretty prominent, like I said, high, high, high end producer out there um, in L.A., but he hasn't responded. So at this point, I'm kind of like, who knows? I mean, he might be in one of those gray areas dealing with should he go to Universal? Because I had heard that he was juggling that decision, which I'm sure is a tough one. It's tough because, I mean, it is, you do have those massive resources behind you and you do have a reach that you probably could never, you know, necessarily, I mean, it's possible, but it's extremely unlikely to reach that same type of reach that they already have through, you know, decades and decades of doing it. And just having that huge machine behind you can be a big thing for your career, then it can also be a horrible thing for your career. So it's like, you know. Yeah, there's so it's many a, it's artists. A decision, man. Yeah, there's so many artists out there making money without doing it now. It's just crazy. I mean, like obviously Nipsey had his own label, even though he was kind of under a branch. Yeah, avenues are the options. The avenues are definitely way more than before. Like, right. you can do it, you know, independently. Mm-hmm. It's obviously easier to have people behind you, but you, it is possible to do it. Yeah, to do it at a at an extremely high level. Right, and you still got to have a team. That's the that's the thing that, you know, it's not a one-man show. It's just that, I have some financial backing. It's coming out of, you know, your pocket instead of... Right, <laughs> a, a right. Less. It still that's, costs. That's though. the only thing. Yeah, there's always, <laughs> there's always, there's always something behind it. Yeah. But, you know, more money in means more money out, but same, you know, some people want that kind of ease of of mind, of not having to, you know, know the ins and outs of the business and know how to run this, know how to run that. But if you're independent, you got to know everything. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, some people just aren't built for that and some people are. So it's like, you know, it's kind of up to each artist. You know, I was talking to somebody earlier today, though, the the fear always has to be in the back of people's mind is Prince situation. You have to, you know, you should always think about that because the thing about it is like the, the probability of becoming one of the greatest artists of all time is obviously slim to none, but you do need to be thinking about that all the time, even when you're not important. It's, and that's what I keep in my mind is if any of these labels are interested in me, obviously they see potential that maybe I'm not seeing that could end up hurting me 20 years from now, yeah. you know, and that's, you know, at, at some point you end up having to fight for your own music that you wrote all on your own and they don't want to give it to you, even though you know you wrote all of that music. And that 
that's a terrible position to be in. It's a, I mean, it, it's still a horrible. Uh, it's business. corrupt. Yeah, it's um, corrupt. When the business side of things, it can be very ugly. Mm-hmm. But I think they're just losing more and more power because they are because they're losing more power. They are trying to kind of grasp that whatever they can. Yeah, and kind of take advantage of whoever they can while they still can you know what yeah, I'm saying? yeah it's getting tough bro i mean i don't want to stay on top on the topic i mean we've talked about we've, we've i've definitely but, talked about this a bunch but I've, I've basically already said spotify and like all these streaming services are the new labels yeah i mean that's up. that's essentially it i mean the, the the music business has shifted and people that won't admit it they're just gonna get left behind because there, there used to be a blueprint of a, a music business book called the music the book on music business it was wrote by uh written by uh, this author who's in a music business attorney named Donald Passman. And that used to be the staple of the industry. I have that book and it came out in, you know, seventies or eighties, but it was all of this legal jargon and all basically the stuff that the labels are doing. But now you fast forward the new music business book that uh, it just came out actually like a year and a half ago. And it's like taken off. It's written by well, yeah, a, I mean, the that independent artist Ari Herstand or something like that. And uh, he's breaking it down, man. Like, there's so many ways to monetize now without having to go through a label. And that that book is starting to take off. And, like, more people are just realizing I can fund everything myself. Like, you could almost do it like real estate. Get some lenders or something, and you can you can do it that way. Right, because you, you don't necessarily need the label to reach the masses anymore. That social right. media has changed everything. So you can skip that and you uh-huh. can reach them directly and interact with them on a real level and... Mm-hmm. basically just go viral on your own and it's just like it's good and bad it's good because you cut out you know the label and you cut out the bullshit and you cut out you you get to see more of like the real artist intention but at the same time you also get some bullshit where people are just doing whatever they can to get seen on you know social media platforms and you know right. not be really authentic but so there's good and bad with everything right you don't necessarily need the label these days exactly. but yeah um we keep things moving a little bit. So, I think the last news kind of topic I wanted to talk about is I'm sure you've been following or heard at least a little bit about this whole Miley Cyrus situation. Yeah, I, so, I actually was checking it out yesterday for a little bit, and I kind of skimmed through it because uh, it so seemed yeah, like a lot about break nothing. it down for everybody listening and watching. Uh, basically, Miley Cyrus, as most of you know. She, when she made the jump in her career, kind of into a more adult and more provocative kind of uh, way, she did that basically through hip hop. And she utilized hip hop and hip hop producers and hip hop artists and basically just the whole clout that hip hop gained her to give her that more edge and more like mass appeal. And it worked for her. It worked extremely well for her. She kind of blew up even more than she was already after that, especially as a solo artist named Miley Cyrus, not Hannah Montana. And then almost a year, maybe two, probably less than that following, she basically said that she is kind of done with hip hop and she kind of pushed out of the scene and blah, 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 blah. And fast, fast forward. I mean, the masses, particularly Black Twitter, did not respond to that uh, well at all, and shit on her pretty pretty thoroughly uh, for doing that. And 
and basically calling her a vulture, a culture vulture, and all this and that. And then fast forward to this year, she has tried to kind of enter back into the hip hop uh, lane with her music, where she's worked with like Mike Will Made It Again and Sway Lee and even Ghostface Killer. And doing this, obviously, the response has been comical at times from people, especially just been roasting her on Twitter for doing this. But she has kind of tried to apologize, you know, for racially insensitive remarks, basically what she was saying, like culturally insensitive remarks about hip hop and having the privilege of being able to, you know, hop in and out of the scene. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I guess my my whole question is kind of like, do you think that she needed to apologize? I mean, I... See, some of that I wasn't even aware of because what I was seeing is how she, it seemed like she had kind of reneged on her statement saying that she, when she had said what she said about rap, it was more so, I guess, trying to split scenes between I'm more into listening to conscious rap. I mean, she tried to throw like Kendrick in there. She tried to throw Kendrick in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't. The apology just, to me personally, without even thinking about all of this, it doesn't seem necessarily sincere because it came at a time when she needs to release her new music. Right. Um, she needs people to listen to her. Again. You know, so, and that's because just her last surface. album did not do, do well, by the way. It was exactly. a more country and folk, uh, you know, release product. And that right. did not do well. That did not resonate with people. Yeah, because a lot of people, too, like suburban kids and. And people from from the hood are all still listening to rap music. That's just hip hop is the it, most popular. That's genre what it is out there in, in the world right now. I don't care what anybody says. It is the it most is. popular mainstream, particularly Def- in American culture. De- definitely. So the interesting thing about it is with the whole the deep part of it is what are we talking about when they say culture vultures and all this stuff like this? I mean, I can see if this is coming from old school cats that are like Ghostface or any of them. If it's young people. I can't really say because hip hop is not really, it used to be like jazz where that was the struggle, you know, so you come up in the struggle and then you put that to the mic. But nowadays it's not really that only because there's great rappers coming from all over from the suburbs yeah. to, to the street. So it can't yeah. really be, it's hard to say culture vulture when I, I mean, it's everywhere now. I mean, you got artists in the UK, right? Coming up with dope, just dope hip hop. So, yep, artists. I was just in Russia, uh, France, Belgium, Italy, literally every yeah. country. There's some rapper, rapper, uh, uh, right? You know, capitalizing <laughs> right. on you know the American hip hop, yeah, kind of music culture. Yeah, so it's it's tough to say. I mean, I definitely get it because I'm definitely one that you know I'm I'm from the hood, so I I I do use culture vulture. I don't know if I, I'm gonna use it in this case. Because there is plenty of scenarios where that takes place, but this seems like a bunch of phony. It's still phony, man. Like the fact that she's getting ready to drop this album, and you know, like you said, her last album flopped. So she wasn't gonna apologize at all. She's just gonna come out with the the rap album and expect everybody to buy it. And then when she saw that people were upset, now it's oh, you know, I, I apologize for being. Able I mean, to, look, you know. it works because I saw the features. I saw Ghostface Killer and Cyrus. <laughs> Yeah, you're going. You still going to check right, it out? All right, I'll check it out. <laughs> like, <laughs> exactly. I'm like, all right, like I'm not a fan. Like, you know yeah. what I'm saying? But she, was right, strategic, she got me yeah. to check it out. She definitely got me to check it out. Like, yeah. she knows what she's doing. Like, she knows. I mean, like you said, 
I don't really consider her to be a culture vulture. This is kind of just what you grew up in. Like, how can you culture vulture when hip hop is the culture? Like, yeah, it's not. It's no longer the counter culture. It's no longer the French culture. It right. is the culture. It's literally exactly. everywhere. It's everywhere. And it, it's as mainstream as it can possibly be nowadays. Yeah. It's so mainstream that you can don't even have to be a rapper. Like, you don't even have to be able to rap to be successful in it. Like, this is right. what I'm saying. Like. So when it is the culture, I don't really consider it vulturing, you know, culture vulturing when it is literally just the culture. And this is what you grew up in. This is what you know. This is what you hear all the time. So it's not like, you know, you found something obscure and then kind of underground and took it and then just ran with it as your own. Because it's in your face. A la Elvis Presley. Uh, Right. You know, that is the definition of a fucking culture culture vulture. Exactly. Who went to underground black culture, found it, Uh and just rebranded it. Presented it like they created it. Yeah. And didn't yeah. give anybody credit for, you know, right. where he right. got it from, his inspiration. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, at, at the least, she, she gives credit to everybody she yeah. works with. She's being she's a capitalist. That's all that is. Right. We're a capitalist she's definitely society. capitalizing. Right. But we're not mad at uh, young black kids capitalizing on hip hop when yeah. they're not even living what they're talking about. Right. Or right. not doing anything that they're saying or they're pushing the worst parts of the culture. You know what I'm saying? Like, just right. to create money. So. I don't see, while I do find it hilarious that she is using it as a tool to kind of get back into it, I find it definitely funny, and she deserves all the all the jokes Roast, that yeah. she gets, particularly for her coming out and saying that bullshit that she said. Right. But I don't consider it to be like a culture vulture situation or something that she's shouldn't be allowed in hip-hop what do you mean allowed exactly. in hip-hop hip-hop has allowed yeah. everybody every form like it's the everybody. most form of, of music out there and it's like that's exactly it this is how it was created this is the whole point was that anybody could do it you didn't need to have uh 10 years of guitar lessons or singing lessons. Yeah, you know what exactly. i'm saying like that's what you just had talent you could do it and it's just yeah. like that's why hip hop is so groundbreaking, man. I mean, like even with Q-Tip, I mean, the reason he turned to the beat machines was because the jazz school he wanted to go to at high school closed down. And hip hop has, in a way, it's given everybody like no. Without hip hop, we wouldn't be in the technology area that we're in now, where people can produce beats. And Ableton is, you know, a, a great resource. Or these keyboards, you can do stuff from your bedroom. That all came so from hip hop. Yeah, all of that came from hip hop being in, you know, somebody in their bedroom with no resources to do anything else. So they figured it out there and then they became no duplicated. formal training, no yeah. nothing, just a desire. That's to why I love music it. And you know. it's purest form, yeah, hip hop. Right. Mean, so, pen and paper. I mean, when you know this and, and it becomes as mainstream, you can. You can kind of be mad that it's mainstream. Yeah, but I'm not that is, mad. But you can't be that mad because yeah. at the same time, it opens so many more doors and gives so many exactly. other people opportunities that are from those type of communities that you want people to have opportunities from. So exactly. it's like, do you want it or not? Because if you want it to be successful, you want it to be mainstream, you want all these artists to be able to make millions of dollars to support themselves, to support their families, then it's that means it's successful at a level that is just going to automatically become open to the masses. And right. You can't control what the masses do when exactly. it's something like that, like that big, like you can't, it's too late. You now. can't. It's, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. We can't be, I saw something interesting. I mean, and this does relate to this, although it's not music, but out in DC, I played a gig at uh, Eddie V's, which 
I mean, they have Eddie V's all over the place. But anyway, I was playing with this uh, this guy that's from D.C. He's from Southeast D.C., which at one point in the 90s, that was the gang capital and crack, you know, crack capital of America. And uh, and we were talking about a situation that happened on Howard Howard University's campus a couple of weeks ago where uh, obviously Howard is, for those that may not know, I mean, it's considered the black utopia for college level learning for blacks. Um, so it's a historically black college. And uh, there was a white lady because DC has become very gentrified. There was a white lady that was laying out in the lawn in DC with her dog and people had the nerve to be upset about it. Um, specific, yeah. you know, specifically people that graduated from there. And the interesting conversation that I had was with the, the guy from the hood, black guy. And um, the thing that he said is he's just like, why is it such a big deal? Like we wanted equality and now we're upset that somebody that's not from, from our race is able to also enjoy being able to walk the streets and parts right. that used to be predominantly black. Why, why are we upset? And I look at the music, like kind of what we're talking about right now. Like, why are we upset about it? Like you want that, you know, equal, right. You want our music to be prominent, to be heard everywhere. And now you're upset that, <laughs> and she's still giving yeah. the credit, which at that point, that makes it even more, it's harder to waste time getting mad at her because it's not like she's taking this and saying, I wrote all, right. all this music on my own. I did all of this. He's very clear about it. Michael made it is a big reason behind her, uh, her success. Like, uh, -huh. he's, uh, yeah. her name is, his name is plastered everywhere. You know, she's, he's involved. And then exactly. we have the same, then there's the same people that get mad when Billboard doesn't include Lil Nas X on the country charts. So it's exactly. like, you, so which you one is wanna, it? it? Yeah, which one is it? <laughs> like, oh, you guys got to go both ways. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, if you want us to be able to hop in any genre we want, then it's got to come both ways. Like, that's exactly it just it. Is what it is. You know what I'm saying? And, yeah. I'm glad you, as a music head, you understand like the, the importance of how big hip hop is. Um, it's massive, man. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's one of the greatest cultural, you know, movements in modern history. Like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that single handedly has changed entire, you know, it's changed the entire culture, the way that, that just other genres, while they have been huge, like rock and roll and while mm -hmm. they have been, you know, it just hasn't reached this the same amount the same demographics the same amount of you know demographics as hip-hop has it just happened. yeah and, yeah it bridges cultures it bridges people i mean that's the thing and now from a from an industry standpoint uh i i was talking to a a guy who um he's actually well he's a friend of mine but he's he's blowing up and he he played on my first album and he's working with me on this one but now since he's moved out to la i mean he just uh his name's Dominique Sanders, but he just produced uh, this record with Game and um, Jay Stone, and uh, he's one of the main producers on Nipsey's upcoming album because they were in the studio recording together. And the the interesting conversation we had um, back in December was about like regardless of the genre, if you're a producer and you're behind the scenes on a rock album or a jazz album in 2019, no matter what it is, you're you're forcing the issue of having elements of hip hop in it. Like no matter what genre it is, it's like, that's the industry standard right now. If your if your record does not have hip hop elements, it's not going to sell and it's not going to be successful. 
you know. So that's that's just it's crazy how serious it is now to have hip hop in in your music, regardless of the genre. You know, I so mean, it's huge. my 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 whole opinion on genre is that it's basically pointless at this this, at this day point. and age. Is that I don't even know how to classify. 90% of the projects that come out, 90% of the stuff I list because they have uh-huh. elements of everything. And it's uh-huh. just like... And I enjoy it. Man. Yeah, sure. It's like got primary elements of a certain uh-huh. genre, but it's like, it's got so much other into it that it's impossible to ignore those other influences. And it's just like, at this point, we're just classifying just for the charts. And like, I've already yeah. brought this up to Doris and saying like, Billboard basically should just get rid of the specific charts and just label it as Good music. one or just just a larger music chart as whole well, because at this point almost everything can go under like as alternative music because it's not quite hip hop it's not quite you know rock, not quite this not quite this but it's got those primary elements but it's just not quite all the way just that you know what I'm saying and it's just right. like genre is just something that is just used as a label now but it's it's almost more limiting than it is you know helping at this point right. before it was helped to like kind of discovering find other people but it's like there's certain artists you just can't even really compare to other people it's just and it's just becoming more and more of a thing more and more of a thing and i think everybody is just kind of really opening up to that idea of just being open to just just making the best music no matter what form that comes out of right no i think that's i mean you hit the nail on the head and I, i personally hate because of my my infatuation with how I grew up, you know, rap music and all of that, regardless of my choice of what I'm doing, I hate being put in a box where they're just like, oh, this is a, this genre guy or that. And yeah. most of it is just like, don't limit, don't limit me. Um, it's, it's the same thing that happens in sports, like with me and basketball. It's like basketball's changed so much. So it's like, Everybody tries to still kind of put people in certain positions, like, oh, he's a three mm-hmm. or he's a five. Right. It's like, nah, it's the not game is no to the point where it's like everybody can do almost everything. So it's like, exactly. nah, just put the five best out there. And like, you know, right. it's, not, it's no longer, oh, but we need this. So, okay, but you can get that from other people that aren't traditionally in that, you know, position. But it's like, at right. this point now, it's like just hanging on just to hang on to when it's like, it's no longer helping, it's limiting what the potential of what music can be you know what i'm saying like, right right so and creativity's through the roof right now too from a musical standpoint i got to admit it's just it's getting out of control with just the ways people are doing it and it sounds natural it's coming off natural too it's oh, not i just listened to the gold link album and oh yeah the gold link album's fire i'm just like bro like i i have no idea how to classify it yeah like it's yeah, you know, he's, I have like he's a, a true a straight hip hop song. Then you have a funk song. Then you have like a Afro pop song. And yeah. like, but then it all, like you said, it all just feels natural for him. It just all feels, you know, what it's supposed to feel like, and it mm-hmm. doesn't feel like he's just trying forcing. to put like a compilation together for exactly specific sounds. It's just it just is what it is, and you know, right. just kind of go with the ride and just take it for what it is. Yeah, I mean, it sucks for my music collection and trying to categorize shit, but it's right. you know. It's good for the listening. It's good for the listening experience for sure. Yeah. So yeah, I mean that's kind of just what I wanted to talk about with Miley and seeing all this kind of controversy surrounding her and just kind of hypocrisy and stuff. (laughs) I don't think it's that that big of a deal. I'm glad you see what I see. That's why I said it. Honestly, man, I was I was parking into my uh, driveway yesterday and reading 
and I skimmed through the article because I got the I got the uh, Google notification, which is why I went to it originally. I skimmed through and I was like, man, this is a lot to do about nothing. That was e- nothing. immediately what I thought, you know. So, and like I said, it's the same people. I was like, yo, Lil Nas X. They're trying to they're trying to keep Lil Nas X out of country. I'm like, right, like which way are we going here? Like you're trying to keep Miley out of hip hop. So like, exactly. which way are we going here? Like you can't exactly. you can't have it one way and you know one way only. So. Exactly. We'll see. I, I mean, the music at the end of the day will speak for itself. If it's good, it's good. If it's not, it's not. Right. Good so I wanted to close things out, um, you know, with you talking about what you got cooking up, what you got coming up. Like, I know you've been working on some new music. I know you, you know, kind of talk a little bit about some project stuff and just want to chop it up and see where you're at with all that. Yeah. Uh, shoot, man. It's been so busy. But um, next week... I am releasing a uh, a song that's it's um I don't know what genre since we're talking about genre bending but it's been told to me from guys that I've let listen to it that it's more of an experience than it is a genre and uh, I say that because I'm I'm trying the best I could with my writing to uh, bring to story um, to or bring to light two situations one that took place in 1857 with a uh, guy by the name of Dred Scott. Um, who was fighting for freedom and became a free man and they put him back into slavery um, and then tying yes sir and then they're tying it into uh, a situation that happened with a, a teenager that got killed in Pittsburgh last summer um, by the name of Antoine Rose he was a uh, 17 year old got shot uh, and I didn't do the song because he got shot uh, which is probably what a lot of people are going to think. It's so, sadly, it's such a pattern nowadays. Um, so the reason that I that I resonated or his story resonated with me was because I saw myself in him, because I saw this honorable, honorable student um, who was, uh, you know, was active in the community, but also at the same time was juggling like a lot of us that come from uh, the culture you're uh, you're also hanging out with people that are like gang banging and all of that. Yeah, yeah. So he was doing both, and exactly, and he got caught in the line of fire because he happened to be in a car that did a drive-by shooting earlier in the day. So realistically, it had nothing to do with him. But uh, when the cops pulled the car over because they were looking for the actual car uh, later on in the day, he was in the car and he took off running out of fear because he knew he wasn't supposed to be there to begin with. And since he was running, the cops shot him, uh, obviously assuming that he probably was had something to do with the, the drive-by, even though he didn't. So I essentially I saw myself because that's, that's how I was in high school. I mean, I was a good student. Um, at the same time, I was also hanging out in crack houses and all, and all that after school. I mean, it's that, a, it's that an interesting compromise. You know. That is definitely something that I think the general public mostly white people don't quite understand is that well they do understand but only when it comes to certain demographics that you can mm-hmm. yes you can be a good person and good character and still be surrounded by you know the peer pressure man it's rough something environments like and 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 be still kind of not involved free of both you know exactly what I'm like because it is still what you grew up with it's what you grew up around it's like you know what i'm saying so it's like that's true, man. It's you, the reality. I mean, both. It's exactly. Reality. It's not. It's not one way or the other. Like, and it's 
And you know, people like to ignore the fact that there is duality in everybody and that not nobody's fucking perfect. And it's it's always a narrative that gets exploited and fucked up in the media and stuff. But I'm just here to say that you can be both. You can definitely be both. And like, you know, the, the thing that rings true, which I'm seeing in this particular situation is usually when you do have those good moral standings, uh, obviously it didn't work out in, in uh, Antoine Rose's favor, which is the heartbreaking part. But the thing about it is if you're given an opportunity to survive, you usually will figure it out. Yeah. Um, like you or me, I mean, we come from, I still come from a good home. I had a two parent household. I mean, we struggled financially, but at the same time, it wasn't like I had lack of parents. It was more so playing basketball. You're in multiple cultures. One minute I'm in a tournament out on the rich side of town. Then I'm at the boys club, you, you know, playing. So it's just that's just how no it goes poop from both worlds, man. Exactly. And I get along with both, you know. So. Uh, so, yeah, I'm basically I'm releasing that. I'm also doing uh, I'm trying to be creative this go around with my marketing um, specifically for this single. So I'm also hosting a uh, a live I'm calling it a live listening listening party. Uh, but realistically, what it is, is I've been sending out invites on Facebook um, that from 1, 1 p.m. the day of the release till 3 p.m. the next day, I'm just going to make sure um, that everybody I invite, they're listening to it and sharing it uh, to a stream of their choice, whether that's Spotify or you know iTunes or Google Music. That's something I wanted to do. Uh, so I'm going to do that. And I have a couple of special ideas that I'm going to try to do the day of just to experiment and uh, see if I can get people to start sharing the music and uh and we'll see what happens. I mean, this this song is not indicative of what my project is going to sound like um, because it's very dark and it's, you know, it's written like a classical suite, I'd say. Uh, but, you know, I felt like I needed to put it out. So, you know, I mean, yeah, show a different side of it comes out as it is, you know. Yeah. I mean, I'm definitely interested to hear this and. You know, somehow we can definitely be involved in kind of debuting to people. We love that opportunity. Oh, yes, sir. I'll definitely send you. I'm going to send it to you so you can get a sneak peek. And I'll also send you uh, the bio that a, uh, a great author wrote for me after listening to it, kind of depicting the story. That's going to help people. That's going to bring kind of what we were talking about earlier with Uncle. It's that type of thing. Like I have somebody that actually narrated so that they can actually see the music when the music's playing. So. Okay. Should be interesting. Yeah, so, sounds sounds it sounds sounds like something I'm definitely interested in. Yeah, man, I'll let you check it out for sure. Love to hear the feedback. So, project wise, uh, how's it, how are you how are you looking on that? Uh, man, I'm I'm chipping away. Uh, I'd say right now I'm about if I had to do a percentage, I'm probably about I'd say seventy percent done. Uh, I'm actually gonna be in the studio again tomorrow. I got most of my music. Is all finished as far as it's actually recorded. Um, I've yet to start the mixing and mastering process. Um, you might have to get me on here another time to talk about some music business do's and do nots that I've picked up um, since I've been recording my own music. And one I'm learning now is uh, a mistake I made with the last project is I released it immediately because we have that ability now um, with all yeah, CD Baby and all of that. Yeah. Um, but I didn't I didn't put in the same amount of funding to promote 
And and that that's a uh, independent artist rule of thumb that I've picked up on now is whatever you invest into the recording process also have that same amount to use for promotional services afterwards. So so my goal for this album is to get it finished hopefully by uh, let's see it's June hopefully by August or s- September and then from that point work on raising funding saving money to actually fund. The promotion so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still probably at least seven to eight months away from actually releasing the album uh, but i still want to have it done just for peace of mind so that i can just only focus on funds for the promotion uh it's not it's not cheap in the, the no. recording process isn't cheap definitely man. not that's what we're talking about you yeah, know, so you got a major label behind it makes those type of things yeah really they'll easy. front load they'll front load the money actually one of my friends that's playing on the album uh he just released his album and he kind of he had that he didn't have a major label but he had a decent indie label and they basically they just funded all of the money but then he worked it out contractually where they're taking percentages on the back end right. so that's exactly. and that's I the mean, other thing i don't money know back I now. Do. don't worry <laughs> <laughs> they definitely gonna make their money back yeah, that so. advance ain't, ain't ain't for free ain't for you know exactly out of the kindness of their hearts you know exactly. expect their, their return so I'm getting the hang of the struggle though, man. I, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying it, and I'm actually really excited about this album uh, more so, so people can see the growth and that it's it's a conceptual album. So I feel like it'll make a lot of logistical sense in listening to the the way the songs are put together in order um, because it's a reverse chronological storyline. So that you know, it's kind of going backwards, starting from now, going back to ancient times, and within that, I got a little bit of everything from funk to hip hop. Uh, so hopefully I do what Gold Leak did and it all meshes together um, with the synchronicity that I envision. So we'll see. <laughs> I'm, I'm interested. I, uh, patiently waiting, man. Yeah, I've already patiently told you about a few of the, waiting, I told you about a few of the nuggets already kind of off the record. But um, so that's until that's solidified, that will remain off the record. But hopefully that would that would help my uh, my project out tremendously. So, looking forward, man. Looking forward to. We always have to see. You know, you still grinding, still working, still creating. That's what we love to see from you know people like creative people. Yeah, Just never stop creating, man. No, that's important. That's important, man. So I'm I'm looking forward to the journey. Yeah, I mean, this has been a great podcast. I think we covered a lot. Um, definitely have you back on here for. Some more updates about what you got going on, especially when probably after I hear the song, I'll probably get you on. Probably not that long. We want to talk about the song, probably. Man, much appreciation, man. I'm gonna email. I'm emailing yeah. it to you right now. And uh, yeah, can't wait to have you back on. And like I said, we covered a lot. And if you guys had any questions, topics, suggestions, or just commentary about anything that we covered, you can let us know in the comments down below where this goes up. Wherever you enjoy us, either YouTube, SoundCloud. Uh, iTunes, wherever. Um, and if you have any questions for Jaron, you can also you know let us know in the comments, and we'll be sure to pass those on to him. Definitely. Again, if you like to get out of rocking these videos, that we rocking these videos, like the shirt I'm wearing right now, or this hat, you can also have a site to grab some for yourself. We are doing a special summer sale to celebrate ten straight record months over on the website, where everything is thirty five percent off, and we're gonna have. A ton of heat dropping all summer, so be sure to check on that. And uh, 
Yeah. Uh, Jaron, if you want to let people know where they can find you, where they can follow you, you know, get in touch with you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm on Facebook. That's under Jaron, J-A-R-O-N, Lamar Davis. Uh, IG, I'm Drums Hoops 23 uh, My following is picking up on, on IG, so I'm kind of happy about that. I'm approaching 5,000 followers, so I'm, I'm moving up, which now, yeah, nowadays that's important, so it took a while for me to get <laughs> it's all to part of promo, man. It is, it is. So I got that, and then uh, I'm not on Twitter, uh, but I do have my website. That's uh, JaronLamarDavis.com. I got uh, shirts under my brand name on there, Imperfect Man. So uh, definitely, definitely stop by the stop by the site. Um, we will link everything down in the descriptions where this goes up, so you guys can be sure to follow and you know check out his stuff. Definitely, definitely. Much appreciation to y'all, man, to the whole. Living like fearless family. You guys been riding from the beginning, so definitely thank. A lot more to come. Definitely a lot more to come. And just like with you, we have a lot more to come ourselves. And for this podcast, there's a lot more to come. This is uh, something that we are planning on doing much more of. Hopefully, on a regular basis, having more and more guests talking about you know everything they love, everything that we love. And we will be back shortly with another episode of our Meeks Files podcast. Thank you guys for joining us once again and listening and watching and wherever you guys enjoy this. And if you really like this, please smash that like, subscribe button, and share it wherever you do listen to us or watch us. And we'll be back shortly with more episodes. But until then, you guys keep on living life fearless. We'll be back shortly. Peace.